Do not be afraid. As I was considering the the Christmas stories that we're familiar with, and as I was considering our twenty twenty year and all that it's been, I felt like this was the the phrase that that stood out to me that is familiar in a lot of these stories. Um, Do not be afraid. It was said to Zechariah when he was in the temple, and an angel appeared to him and said to him, Do not be afraid. You're going to have a son named John. It was, it was said to Mary when an angel appeared to her and said, Do not be afraid. Mary, the Lord is with you, and you are going to have a son named Jesus. It was said to Joseph when he heard that Mary was pregnant, but that he should not be afraid to take her as his wife. It was, it was said to the shepherds, do not be afraid, as they were minding their business on the hillside, and this army of angels appeared to them. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. And so today I want us to talk about fear, and how do we live without fear? How do we live without fear? There are three uh, basic points that I want to make today. Is that how we live without fear? First, is that we we live wisely. We live according to God's word, and we live wisely. Secondly, we face our fears with God. We face our fears with God. And last, that we we learn to fear the Lord. We learn to fear the Lord. So first, let's talk about this first one, that we live wisely. Recognizing danger and then acting in response to that danger is not the same thing as being afraid. Proverbs says that a wise man sees danger and he takes refuge. So living without fear, it doesn't mean being stupid. We, we don't let our three-year-old play near a busy street. Why? Is it because we're afraid? No, it's because we're wise. We know that that's not a good idea for our three-year-old to play next to a busy street. We aren't acting in fear when we put our seatbelt on when we get into the car. We are driving thousands of pounds of metal around at 70 miles an hour. It is a wise thing to put your seatbelt on. You are acting in danger when you lock your doors at night. Recognizing a danger and acting in response to keep yourself and other people safe is not what the Bible means when it says to us, do not be afraid. And there's a very clear example of this in the Christmas stories themselves when when Joseph is visited by an angel and that angel says, Mary and Joseph, you are in danger, run away. And Joseph takes Mary and he takes Jesus and they flee down to Egypt away to safety. So how do we live without fear? Well, we live wisely and we can simply avoid a lot of trouble and a lot of anxiety in our life by acting wisely, by following God's words, especially like in the the book of Proverbs. It just gives us everyday examples of what it means to live a wise life. And by using the God-given faculties of common sense that he's given to us. So, 
one way to live without fear is to live wisely, to live according to God's, God's word and to use the common sense that he's given to us. Secondly, how do we live without fear? We face our fears with God. We face our fears with God. I stumbled across this painting uh, this week. It's called The Massacre of the Innocents. The Massacre of the Innocents. And I have spent time looking at this painting every day this week. It's a painting of the story that we sometimes hear around Christmas about that time when, when Herod heard that the king of Israel had been born, and in his fear and in his rage, um, he had all of the children around Bethlehem killed. In this painting, it's a painting uh, in, the, in the foreground of, of a woman huddled away in a corner, she is holding a baby, and she's holding her mouth, her hand, over the baby's mouth for fear that the baby obviously would, be, would cry and let the evil men know where they are. In the background to the upper left, uh, there's a woman running down the stairs, and you may not be able to see it well as I've zoomed in here, but she's holding two babies in her arms, running down the steps, and there's a man in the background, and he has a knife in his hand, and he's, he's looking after her as she runs, and she flees for her life. And then there's this, this woman, huddled away in fear. I've been reflecting on this painting while I've been writing this sermon about not being afraid. Because this painting has kept me from the danger of making this sermon meaningless and trite. Because one of the temptations that we have in our life when it comes to our fears is to pretend that there's nothing to be frightened of. Or to pretend that God will never allow anything bad to happen to you or to your family. The temptation is to believe that the biblical command, do not be afraid, should be listened to because we're safe. But the biblical story of Herod's rage represented in this painting keeps us from that kind of sentimentality about our lives. We are not safe in this world. And there are some people who live without fear only because they've ignored the reality of danger. But that is not the example that the Bible gives to us. Instead, the Bible tells us that when we bump up against something that makes us afraid, that we don't ignore them. Rather, we face those fears together with God. We face those fears together with God. In the Psalms, we have a lot of examples of people who are writing prayers and songs, and these people were afraid as they were writing them. People were facing all sorts of terrible circumstances and are crying out to God in prayer and song. For example, Psalm 27 begins, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Of whom shall I be afraid? 
This is a psalm about fear. David is afraid. You only have to remind yourself to not be afraid when you're afraid. And so, what does David do then in this psalm as he realizes, right now, I'm afraid? He doesn't ignore his fears in Psalm 27. He doesn't pretend that they don't exist. Instead, if you read through that psalm, what David does is he names the things that he is afraid of. He faces his fears. He looks at them for what they are, and he lifts them up to God in prayer. In this psalm, David says that there are armies surrounding him on every side. He says that his enemies are destroying his reputation. David says that those who are close to him, his mother and his father, that they may reject him. David faces reality. In this psalm, David acknowledges that the worst things that he can imagine, that they just might happen to him. Bad things do happen to good people. And David names the bad things that might happen to him. He names what he is afraid of, and he brings each of them to God. It's almost as if he sets them out in a list. Bad guys with swords may come after me. People may tell lies about me. My parents may even reject me. But the Lord is my light, and he is my salvation. David's answer is that even though there are real things in this world that can frighten us, that God is greater than our fears. And David knew that very well as he's coming to realize how terrible his circumstances really were. He could have turned away from them, he could have ignored them, but instead he listed them, he named them, and he offered them up to God so that he could remind himself that the Lord, even as he faces these things, the reality of these trials and these difficulties and these troubles and these dangers, that the Lord is his light and his salvation. Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Do not be afraid, Mary. Do not be afraid, Joseph. Do not be afraid, shepherds. The angels don't say these things to these people because these are people who are going to live their lives from then on without any trouble. Instead, what he said, these angels say, is, I am coming to you with good news. God is with you. He is in this. He is Emmanuel, and he has a purpose in the trouble that you are about to experience. And so as a follower of Jesus, you don't have to pretend today that there's nothing in your life that's dangerous, that that threatens your safety and your security. You don't have to pretend that the darkness in our world, the darkness that you experience, isn't real. That would be a foolish thing to do in the year 2020. This year has been filled with all sorts of things that we can be fearful of. And so as Christians, our response is not to pretend that those things aren't real. They are real. The call to not be afraid is a call to faith. That even though our circumstances are filled with danger, are filled with all kinds of uncertainty, that Emmanuel, God, is with you. 
If you don't have your Bibles, I'd like for you to go wherever they are in your house, grab your Bible, and turn to Philippians chapter 4. I'm going to read verses 4 through 7. Philippians chapter 4, 4 through 7. Paul writes this, by the way, while he's in prison. And he says this, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends or surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Paul tells us that there is this peace that comes from God that can surpass our understanding. The peace that comes from God, Paul doesn't say that it ignores understanding. It surpasses understanding. In order to come to the peace that Paul is talking about in Philippians chapter 4, we actually have to understand the real threats and the real dangers that we face. To see them for what they are, and in them rejoice in the Lord because He is bigger and stronger than those fears. And even if we face the worst, we will still have Him, and He is all that we need. In another place, Paul, Paul tells us that the troubles in this life are light and momentary. Again, this was written by a man who faced prison, and he also faced shipwreck, and he was stoned and whipped, and he was rejected by his friends, those who were closest to him. This is Paul, and he says that those troubles are light and momentary. And I can tell you that that verse is sometimes really hard for me to swallow when I see some of the pain that you are enduring, physically, emotionally, and some of the relationships that you are experiencing, I know how hard life can sometimes be for you and for me and for all of us. But God's Word tells us that these are light and momentary troubles and that they have a purpose in your life to help you learn to trust in God to help you rely on Him, and to help you learn to rejoice in Him rejoice in Him in all things. And when we begin to do that, when we begin, like David does in Psalm 27, to face our fears with God, Paul tells us, 2 Corinthians 4, that these light and momentary troubles are actually achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs all of them. That our light and momentary troubles are achieving something for you. This glory that we will receive later, if we will endure now and face our fears with God, He has something for us that is far heavier, far weightier than the troubles that we know now. And so, we can face our fears with God, and in that, God is doing a good work, preparing us to learn how to rejoice in Him. The third thing, how do we live without fear? 
is to learn to fear the Lord. The book of Proverbs begins by telling us that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The book of Ecclesiastes ends by saying that here under the sun, that the whole duty of man is to fear God and to keep his commandments. If we are going to live our lives here without fear, then we need to learn to be people who fear the Lord. We need to aim our fear in the proper direction. We are told in the Bible that we should fear the Lord because he will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it's good or evil. God sees all things and he will bring everything into judgment, everything, whether they are good and bad. So all of those things that you and I think that we got away with, those, those lies that we told in order to keep ourselves safe, the Bible tells us that God knows. He sees. And so we need to be a people who fear the Lord. Luke 12 says, Jesus says, Do not be afraid of people, those who can kill the body, and after that do no more. He says, I will show you who you should fear. Fear him who, after killing the body, has the power to throw you into hell. Those are Jesus' words. And we are called to fear the Lord because he is the perfect judge who sees and knows everything about us and who holds our eternal life in his hands. We fear the Lord because his, his anger toward our sin is real. I've been reading uh, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe to our kids the last couple of weeks. And there are a few times in that book when the, the Pevensey children, when one of them does something that causes Aslan, the lion, to growl. And it's, it's as if that growl reminds them that even though Aslan plays with them and frolics with them and like wants them to, to put his hand in their mane and to be close to him, it wakes them up to the power that Aslan and the lion has. The children love Aslan, and they know that Aslan loves them. But what the, and what the children learn in his growl is that his growl is for their protection. It's Aslan's way of pulling them back to where they should be near to him. To show them that the actions that they were thinking, or the words that they were saying, or the thoughts that they were having, were taking them on a path that was dangerous for them. And so he growls to bring them closer. The anger of the Lord toward our sin, his growl is for our protection. When we run away from God, when we hide from him, when we feel that guilt in our conscience, the, the conviction of the Spirit, it's His growl, His anger toward our sin. And the power and authority that are behind that anger are meant to pull us back toward Him. He growls when we run away from Him, because it's when we are with Him that we are truly, eternally safe. The fear of the Lord keeps us truly safe because it keeps us close to Him. The fear of the Lord 
is meant to lead us to experience something even better and greater, which is the love of the Lord. And that's what we were made for, for the love of the Lord. That is our purpose, to know and experience the love of God and to grow in the love of God in our lives. First John chapter 4, verses 16 through 18. If you want to turn in your Bibles there, First John 4, 16 through 18. John writes this. We know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. In this way, love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment because in this world we are like him. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. Our fear of the Lord, our understanding of His anger toward our sin, our hearing His growl is meant to keep us close to Him. Because when we run away from Him, we're no longer safe. And over time, as we walk with the Lord, the image that I get in 1 John chapter 4, that over time, as we walk with the Lord, the fear that we have for the Lord, the right fear that we have for the Lord, more and more begins to be perfected into love. G.K. Chesterton says it this way. He says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of the wisdom, is the beginning of wisdom, but it is not the end of wisdom. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, but it is not the end of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, but it, it leads toward love. We live our lives here on, on this earth because of our sin and because of our flesh. We live here on this earth with our lives mixed together, mingled together with the fear of the Lord and the love of the Lord. But First John 4 says that perfect love is casting out fear. The purpose that God has for us is that each day, more and more in our lives, that our fear of Him becomes less and less, and our love for Him becomes more and more. This is, very, this is very important. Our fear of God becomes less and less, not because we discover somehow that God is somehow less fearful than we thought. It's not that we discover that God is less angry at our sin than we thought, or God is less powerful or less worthy of our awe. Our fear of Him does not become less because we discover that God is actually just like some sort of pushover, some kind of like big teddy bear in the sky. The idea here is that in walking with God and coming to know Him, it's not that God and His power and His authority and His anger toward our sin changes. It's that we are being changed. And so we see Him more and more for who He is, and we stop running away from Him. And so, because of that, we begin to experience his growl less and less. We fear him less and less because, not because he changes, but because we change. And his perfect love is casting out our fear. The more we walk in that perfect love of God, the less that we will fear. 
not because God is less worthy of our fear, but because we are resting in His love for us and refusing to run away and to grab the things that are not from Him. These words, do not be afraid in the Christmas story, I want to remind us as we close, we're not spoken to people who weren't going to experience trouble anymore. The words, do not be afraid, were spoken to Joseph, who is going to have to endure the shame of marrying a woman whose pregnancy wasn't his. He was about to become the protector of the baby who was the Messiah. He was about to be a man who was literally running for the life of him and his family. The words, do not be afraid, were spoken to Mary, who would have to face that shame and ridicule of her pregnancy, who would then have to raise a son and watch him go into the world and face the wrath of religious leaders to face the insult of brothers and friends, and a woman who was going to have to see her son nailed to a cross. The words, do not be afraid, were not spoken to people who were never again going to experience trouble. They were spoken to people who could know that Emmanuel, God, was with them. And these words are are spoken to you today. Do not be afraid. And you can receive these words in your life today. You can experience that peace that surpasses all understanding not because you ignore the dangers or because of some false promise that you will never encounter some fearful thing. You can hear and receive the words, do not be afraid, because you know that God is with you in your trouble. And that the God who growls when you run away from Him is the same God who growls and conquers anything that endangers His children. And he is at work right now, moving you closer to him, so that under his care, as you come to know him more, that his perfect love will cast out all of your fears. May it be so. Amen.